This is In Touch, City Talk's Rugby League Lowdown with Lauren Moss and Steve Manning. City Talk 105.9. Hello and good evening and welcome to In Such, the Rugby League Hour on City Talk 105.9. I'm Laura Moss and we've got a very busy show for you this evening. Joined in the studio by my co-host Steve Manning, the editor of the Rugby League World magazine Gareth Walker and Witness Vikings Ben Cross as we all look toward the first week of the playoffs. So between now and seven tonight, we'll hear from Wigan's Matty Smith as he looks ahead to tonight's game against Huddersfield and doing the double. I mean, we'll just, we'll just concentrate on this next game and, and Huddersfield. We're not trying to get too carried away. It's tough to do the double, but, you know, someone's got to do it and, and this group of players are, are you know, special and, and hopefully we can go on and do that. We'll hear from Sean Wayne and Earl Crabtree too. St Helens coach Nathan Brown talks about their do-or-die match with Hull KR, who've proven themselves to be somewhat of Saints' bogey team this season. This one's probably the main one, isn't it? You know, so, you know, we've been under some different circumstances earlier in the year a couple of times and I don't think any anyone in any game can afford not to be playing someone near the, the better part of their game or they risk losing. Warrington's Tony Smith previews Saturday's rematch of last season's grand final with Leeds. They look like they're the, the ones that everybody's got to beat at. And so, yeah, it's going to be a good challenge for us. And, you know, the experience that they have uh, is, you know, invaluable. And we'll also hear from Salford Red Devil coach Brian Noble. They may have finished their campaign with the wooden spoon, but he's getting his sleeves rolled up for a very busy pre-season. Our challenge is to transfer that paper player into a player for the Red Devils and you know, we need to do all the things that most teams do in the pre-season, you know, galvanise and connect all the players and I'm sure we'll go close to doing that. So plenty to get through over the next hour. Before we come on to it all though, let's catch up on what happened around 27 as we say goodbye to six teams for 2013. Here's Nick Smith. Yes, the curtain came down on Salford and Widnes on Friday night with the Vikings dominating the second half ending their season in 10th place thanks to a 24-4 win over the newly rebranded Red Devils. Just above them, Bradford made sure that although Huddersfield are the league leaders, they finished their last game of the regular season with a 58-6 defeat. London Broncos were playing for prides in their fight not to finish bottom as they defeated Hull KR by 34 points to 22. Wakefield saw off Castle 36-32. Wigan Warriors continued their difficult run in the league, losing 20 points to Leeds, meaning they finished fourth, with the Rhinos taking third spot. St Helens were 38-12 victors over Hull FC, and Warrington Wolves held on a greasy day at Perpignan to beat Catalan Dragons 14-12. Cheers, Nick. So, uh, good evening to the guests in the studio tonight, joined as usual by Steve Manning and special guest tonight, Ben Cross, very recently, formerly Witness Vikings, and Gareth Walker, the editor of Rugby League World magazine. Good evening, guys. Good evening. Good evening. So, uh, we've got a whole host of topics to talk about tonight. So, Ben, your, your season's at Witness, Gareth's findings in the first ever comprehensive poll of players in the modern game. You, you asked him about NRL, depression, Super League changes, marketing and the game. That's all in this month's edition of Rugby League World. And, of course, we'll talk about the dream team that was also announced. But before we do, let's take stock of the regular season. I can't believe time has flown. We're at the end of it already. What have your impressions been so far? We'll start off with you, Gareth. You've been at, at probably every game. You've been going to the championship as well. How has it compared to, to previous years for you? I've really enjoyed it. You know, I think the fact that we've got Huddersfield Giants topping the table um, for the first time, is good for the sport to get a new name up there and, and one with genuine grand final ambitions this year. I think that's been a real breath of fresh air. I've seen a lot of championship games as well. There's been some terrific matches down at that level and the fact that we're, we're kind of looking to a restructuring from 2015 and bringing all the, the sport back together again is a real positive for me, definitely. 
And what about you, Ben, playing in that and, and watching as well? What have your impressions been over the last few years here and to, to this season? Yeah, I really feel for the guys because, uh, especially the teams that have been knocked out now, the, it's not too far away and they'll be back into pre-season. So um, that's not an enjoyable part of the season for the players. And, and you blink and the, the season's sort of over. You get halfway through the season, you, you think it's long and arduous and, and then all of a sudden you, you're around 27 and it's all over and you you look back and think, where's, this all, where's it all gone? So, But I think that the season's panned out the way it probably should have. The most consistent side uh, throughout the season has finished on top, when that being Huddersfield. And, and now that it comes into the semi-final time of the year, you only have to be the best team in the competition for four weeks. Um, so regardless of where you finish first or eighth, all you've got to be is your best for four games and you win the, win the league. That's a bit telling what you said there. What are your your views on that whole playoff system? Then, when you, you can finish, where well, we've seen Leeds do it twice, finishing fifth, and you know can can win the grand final. It's still rewarding. Um, it's obviously an eight team uh, semi final series out of fourteen, so only six miss out. So, are they rewarding mediocrity by having teams seven and eight in their in a fourteen team competition, uh, where like in the NRL, it's it's half and half of sixteen teams eight, the top eight make it. So you still can get rewarded even if you finish eight. And regardless where Huddersfield finished, at the end of the day, as long as you make those semifinals, that top eight, you only have to be the best team for that month of football. And if you can do that and get things all right for that month, you can take away the league. I think he's, uh, he's right there, isn't he? He's, uh, he's Ben sort of thing. And, you know, these rhinos have shown it twice over the last two seasons that that's what it's all about. And, uh, you know, I've been to a lot of games and as such. And, you know, you go to the press conferences with some of the press conference about local sides. It's, you know, if you lose, it's not earth-shattering sort of thing because they know what's going to happen at the end of the season. And at times they will, on record or off-record, quote, well, you know, the fact that Leeds have finished fifth. And uh, that seems to be the definitive position to be in at the end of the season, albeit that you're playing sudden death. You know, one, you know you've not got another week if you're in that uh, five to eight, whereas obviously in the first four you've got an extra week if something goes wrong, as we'll find out this weekend. Is that why you're tipping St Helens for, for this season's grand final, Steve? No, I did that at the beginning of the season, and I know where you're going with that. And I've got, and uh, obviously, I've got a rival here on my left hand side, Gareth, because if I if I get it wrong and he gets it right, um, I'll end up with nothing. Well, just, just just explain to me and Ben what you guys yeah. are talking about there. Yeah, what it is for everybody, and good evening, everybody, is that uh, we have a media challenge at the beginning of the season. All the media, the so called experts, you've got to put you know you know your first from one to fourteen in a correct order. And at the end of the season, a guy called Dave Burke collates everything. And uh, if you finish, if you finish top, uh, you, you you win a, an amount of cash. But the caveat is you've got to decide and pick which side are going to uh, win the grand final. And at the beginning of the season, the wise one here. Uh, well, I normally finish bottom, but I finished joint top with uh, seven out of fourteen, so that's not bad. And Gareth finished with six. So you, Steve, the Wigan I, fan, was back in Saints for, no, no, for no, Old Trafford. No, 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 no. You've got to say what everybody will finish. The caveat is who you think will win okay. the grand final, as it would in, uh, in February at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. So I thought that Saints would win it, albeit that everybody knows on here that I'm a Wigan fan. So uh, I'll, be support, I'll be supporting Saints all the way to the grand final <laughs> and winning it. Uh, Gareth uh, plugged for uh, Warrington, as did John Lawless, one of our local uh, reporters around here and uh, so if Warrington win uh, I'll end up with nothing and uh, Gareth could end up with a runners-up prize of a nice healthy sum but if you win it you see the healthy it is that does that sum it up that Gareth yeah that's just about right I think um... so go you Saints (laughs) (laughs) 
you heard it here. <laughs> the first time I've ever said that. <laughs> um, I think I missed out on this, um, but uh, we'll, maybe maybe next season will be my year. Just uh, want to ask Ben a little bit more about about Witness. Obviously, not making the playoffs, finishing at tenth in the end. You've, we've seen from Witness some incredible performances this season. Obviously, how they they came back and. Their, their dominant display last Friday against Salford, but also at, at Warrington and other games. How will, do you think Widnes are going to look at this season? Is it going to be how far they've come from the year before, or will it be more like how far we could have gone if we hadn't made some you know errors in other games that we should have arguably won? Yeah, there's definitely progression there, and that and that's what the club is looking for. Uh, and I really believe the three year license is the way to go. Uh, Terry O'Connor really hit the nail on the head the other day at our presentation night. Um, we would have finished. It was, it was 14 points um, that determined a few, a few games that we played in this year um, and we would have finished fourth. That We lost by two here, two there, one there, uh, four there, six points there. 14 points in total across the whole season. Not a lot of points. Um, so if we find those, the, or now the Witness Vikings can find those ways to, to win those tight games uh, along with two draws, um, that we would have finished fourth. And that would have been an amazing feat for a team in their second year in the competition. So there's definitely progression. And, and a couple of guys said that it's probably not the ideal thing to to have made the top eight this year being our second year because then expectations are placed fairly high on a immature playing group. As I say, immature, immature together mm. and back in Super League. So give them another year. Natural progression is that they make the top eight next year. And fingers crossed for the club that that's what happens. You mentioned those tight games that you could have won. Dennis Spets has referred several times to it being like a lack of concentration. Is that what it comes down to? And sort of staying at the at the height of of the game, at the peak of what they can do? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, um, yeah, little laps of concentration with ten, fifteen minutes a game, where an opposition put twelve points on you all of a sudden, or you start the game not quite ready, um, and you blink and the team's got sixteen points on us. Um, so they can really hurt you at this level of rugby league. Uh, and on the flip side of that, though, we have shown that we can uh, that the Vikings can come back from a 16-point deficit uh, and and end up winning the game. Um, draw drew the game against uh, a Bradford. It was when we had a player sent off, and we played uh, virtually 50 minutes. I think it was with a, with a player sent off, and, and we were down 22 nil, and we drew 22 all. So that shows that there is plenty of resolve and resilient in the team. Um, and plenty of skill to score that many points with 12 men. Um, so they just need to get those things all right together at the same time, and I'm sure there'll be a force. Well, we'll talk about that more uh, throughout the show tonight, but let's turn our attention to uh, Wigan now in action against Huddersfield, the first of the, the playoff rounds, the qualifying playoffs, and uh, Coach Sean Wayne admits, although Huddersfield will probably be the favourites for tonight, his side are confident. We want to be, you know, I want to be in the playoffs. I want to, I want to feel that pressure, and, and that comes part of parcel of being involved with a, with a big club like Wigan, and um, you know, so I'm, I'm I'm confident that you know we're not attacking the best we can, but as we showed in the past uh, few months, that when we're on the form, we, we can score tries against anybody, and our defence is good as anybody. So we just need to make sure we bring our own game. The challenge is, you know, you're playing a team like Huddersfield, they're the form team in the competition, they've won the league leaders, they've had no injuries, and the pressure's on. There's no doubt about it. If we don't turn up with our best game, we'll get burned, and uh, and obviously I don't want that to happen. Do you make it a little bit more comfortable for you, knowing you've got a second bite if you get beat? No, no, I, I, we've not mentioned that. You know, the, my mentality, I, I, I think quite simply that, you know, this is knockout. Well, I, I want to earn that, that weekend off. And if we can go into uh, the following week, we've got quite a few injuries, what we need to get over, like every Super League team. 
that we, we we need to make sure that we um, that we get that weekend off, and we'll only do that by beating Huddersfield. I know it's a big challenge, but um, I know my players are capable of it. Just looking at the eight, is there anyone in the could be the dark horse? I mean, St. Helens are in good form. They're, they're probably the ones you know they're, they're playing so much outstanding rugby league, and they'll be tough to beat as we found out. So um, you know, I'm, but I'm confident in my own team as well. You know, we're not playing the best, but I know what we've done this year that we can, if we play the best we can, we can beat anybody. Well, we need to complete our sets. We need to get, as we proved at Wembley, we're completing kit long and we need to do it again. And, and, and we need to make sure we get our players on, we need to we defend tough. And, um, you know, the times when we've done that this year, we've won games. So, um, and this is, this is very important this Thursday that we, we do that as well. Sean Wayne speaking to Adrian Jackson there. Injury news for Wigan tonight. They're without Sean O'Loughlin again. He's got his Achilles problem. Gil Dudson's returning. Daryl Goulding will be on the sidelines, though. He's got concussion. He had a bang on the head against Harrison Hansen last week. Let's hear from Wigan's Matty Smith now. An incredible year he's had with them so far. And he's thinking about doing the double with the Warriors and says the weight of expectation isn't too heavy. Yeah, I think we've shown that we can deal with that. You know, we've won the Challenge Cup this year. We've, we've, we've been consistent in the league up until you know the last month or so, but... Um, you know, we're, we're the only team that's never been, you know, beaten in a knockout game this year. So, I mean, we, we believe that we can we can go all the way to Old Trafford and win it. Um, and, and that's all you really need, really, is, as long as that team spirit's there and, and you've got that belief in, in everyone in your club, then that's all you need as players and, and coaching staff. That would make it a rare double. Are you guys talking about that or even thinking about it? I mean, we're just, we're just concentrating on this next game and, and Lusfield. We're not trying to get too carried away. Um, you know, it's, it's like you say, it's, it's tough to do the double, but you know, someone's got to do it, and it's been done before, and, and we, and we want to do it this year. You know, we, we've, like I said, we've got a great team spirit, and, and this group of players are, are you know, special, and, and hopefully we can go on and do that. What do you make of Huddersfield? Uh, they're the best side in the comp at the minute. You know, they, they proved that. You know, over the, over this last, the course of the year, they finished top, and you know, they're the team to beat, aren't they? Um, you know, they, they've been fantastically done fantastically well this year and they've been the, the most consistent side so um, yeah they're going to take some beating here on Thursday but um, like I said you've got to beat the best to win it if you want to win it and, and, we, and we want to do that and we want to win it so we, we've got to beat the best In terms of intensity is it just like a league game or does it go up a notch? Oh it definitely goes up I mean you know we want to be intense in training every every, every week but you, you can feel it I mean this week you know the Challenge Cup final week you know, we, we've never trained as good as that in the, in the week in the Challenge Cup final. So, and it's been like that this week. You know, you feel everyone buzz a little bit more. You know, it's it's a knockout. I know we get another chance if we get beat, but it's it's coming knockout stages now. And and you know, if you don't perform, then you're out of the competition. So, um, yeah, you can feel the training go up a little bit, and, and the boys are buzzing. And, and hopefully, you know, we'll get a great game here on Thursday. The team was announced today. Congratulations on your spot. You're pleased to be in it. Uh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I look around the I look around the room here and, and see some of the players that are in it and. And to, to be amongst them players is, is a massive honour for me. And um, yeah, I mean, I, that, that's what I set out to do this year to be, to be consistent in my performances. And I think, you know, getting to this squad is, is just announced that. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy at the minute and I'm, I'm enjoying my rugby. When you move to Wigan, you want to win trophies, you've done that. And you want to improve as a player, do you feel you've done that as well? Uh, definitely, yeah. I mean, you know, to win, to win the Challenge Cup. Is, is massive for me my first trophy and, and I think I've improved as a player but you know I'm around some great coaching staff in Sean Paul Deacon and, and Yestin Harris and, and I'm around some great players as well um, who, who make my job a lot easier and, and, and like I said the coaches work really hard with, with us so um, yeah I'm really enjoying my rugby at Wigan and, and I think it's the first time in, in a long time that I've really enjoyed what I'm doing 
That's Matty Smith speaking to Adrian Jackson there. Uh, Matty Smith named it in the, the Super League Dream Team. Gareth, what were your, your views on the Dream Team? Uh, how many did we have? It was mainly Wigan, Huddersfield and a couple from, from Holland, one from Leeds there. What did you think to it? Yeah, I think the big shock was um, no Warrington players having finished second. Uh, mm. To not get one one included in the team was a surprise, really. I mean, the majority of the team was the same. We all get a vote as journalists and, and they were similar to mine, but I, I did have three Warrington players in there myself. I thought Mickey Hyam was a... A good shout for Hooker, although Sean Lunt's had a good year. Um, Joel Monaghan was, was a certainty on the wing. I thought I was really surprised he didn't get in. And I had Stefan Ratchford in there as well. So I think that's a bit of a shot, but it might act as a bit of motivation for Warrington perhaps this weekend. They might talk about that a bit. Yeah, three from Wigan, five from Huddersfield, two from Hull FC, and of course, uh, Jamie Peacock for Leeds as well. Steve, what, what did you reckon? No Warrington, no Saints. Saints probably not that surprising. But no Saints players. I mean, um... they've had their players, their, their key players probably have been injured too much to get any like real I don't know real form consistency going in there that's going to remain to be seen over the coming weeks but well again it was a shot but then again you start thinking well who, who played well or outstandingly that they could make their way into that dream team and sadly this season with the injuries they've had uh, it, it wasn't to be but uh, again it's great motivation isn't it for them uh, going into these playoffs well we're going to take a short break now on City Talk 105.9 but afterwards we're going to return our attention to Salford and we'll chat to, to Ben, Gareth and Steve a little bit more on In Touch In Touch City Talk Rugby League Lowdown City Talk 105.9 Welcome back to In Search on City Talk 105.9. It's the Rugby League Hour with me, Lauren Moss. Steve Manning joins me too, as does Ben Cross of Witness Vikings and Gareth Walker, editor of the Rugby League World magazine. So let's turn our attention now to the Salford Red Devils. Last Thursday, they announced 12 new signings for next season, including Rangi Chase, Gareth Hock and Tim Smith. Uh, ben, as a player who's played in Super League and the NRL, what have you made of the, the publicity generated uh, by Salford, first of all? Yeah, he's a bit of a character, isn't he? And you sort of you need those characters in rugby league, and he's trying to revive a, a club that was sort of struggling financially, and they need to grow their fan base. Um, there's a bit of a fanfare around it, and all that sort of stuff, and he's a, a lively character. So I think the the team's going to sort of mirror his image a little bit. Look at the jerseys, and I think his away jerseys they um, look like a, a jockey silks with the grey with the stars mm. on it, sort of thing. So um, look, as long as rugby league's getting good publicity. That's that's good for the game, um, and I hope it continues. Um, and his money's well invested, and he, he grows a club. I think I saw the other day the um, Salford under twenties won the competition. I think I think I was right in saying that. So that's good that they're also looking after their young young base as well, uh, not just recruiting at the top. So um, as long as they can, can continue that development, um, and hopefully they'll be around for a long time, because you don't want to see clubs just fade out of the game. Um, I'm sure they'll grow and grow and grow. And I think I even read somewhere that he's he's offering all members that sign up go into a free draw, and the winner gets picked yeah. out, and the draw get to name a horse and get get to keep the winnings of the uh, the prize money, the first race. race or something. Yeah. So too bad if a do- breaks his leg and dies and gets sent to the um, glue factory or something like that. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, good good luck to him. Yeah. And. Uh, both of you, Steve, Gareth, you were there at the press conference. Off air, we were talking about how there was wine. I didn't know about this. Usually it's just tea, coffee and a few biscuits. There was wine at this big big, big press launch. Gareth, what, what was it like? Just there, I mean, the, the amount of publicity. Hundreds of people packed in. It's very rare that you get a press conference like that. Absolutely. I mean, I've been going to rugby league press conferences for a long time now and I've definitely never seen anything like that. 
Um, just the event that they created, you know, those big screens up at the front of the room that invited a large group of supporters there. So there was a terrific atmosphere in the room even before it had started. And then Marwan Kukash came on and, and as Ben said, he's just a character. He had the, the whole room in the palm of his hands, roaring with laughter. And we, we, we often say in rugby league, we don't get enough promotion, enough publicity. And he's like a one-man publicity machine, you know. It put him in charge of promoting the World Cup because I think people would listen to him if he stood up in front of any room of people. He said I, he's proven his, cri- his critics wrong. Sorry, Steve, what were you going to say? I thought it was very good. I said to Gareth and I said to a lot of people who, who didn't go, go to that press conference, if you took... Um, you, 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 you invited people for an audience with Marwan Kukash and they had no idea what he was going to talk about. If you didn't know anything about rugby league, first of all, he'd put his action shots on. But the way he talks, his, his motivational skills, it was absolutely superb. And uh, some of his uh, uh, ad-libs, as it were, having, having a go at particular people and uh, just ensuring to um, Nigel Wood that uh, they weren't going to be paying the wives and all these alleged things that happened <laughs> in relation to contracts sort of thing. It was absolutely superb. And, and I think, like Gary said, he held that audience. And then, obviously, his piece to resistance, he, he, he cut probably what he could have done. And then when he started naming these players, I mean, uh, I'm old school policeman and uh, I'd got my pen. I, I ran out of hand. I ran out of hand for writing them down. Like writing phone numbers down. Yeah, it says you yeah. were writing players' well, yeah, names. I did that and I obviously got Marvin's uh, contact number and I wrote that, wrote, <laughs> wrote that on my hand. But it was absolutely superb. And this thing, as uh, Ben said about this uh, this resource, you know, I think you'd buy a season ticket just to go in the hat for that. And uh, I think it, I don't really said it was this, just the first race that you'd get the prize money or whether it was all during the season. But uh, I mean, it, it's it's imaginative. I mean, uh, Rang- horse named after Rangi Chase, Rangi Chase, that finished third. And, and Brian Nobby Noble is horse one, so it's uh, it's brilliant, and it's um, you know it's going into the racing fraternity, and uh, you know I mean at least they'll know who Rangi Chase is, they'll know who uh, Brian Noble is, and then but, but he's so cross good. sport promotion. So yeah, I think chat. that's very clever, yeah. isn't it? Because yeah. you know Nobody's horse racing is a huge sport, yeah. obviously, and like he said on the day. People are asking him now at the horse racing, why is this horse called Rangi Chase? Why is it called Brian Noble? So rugby league's getting talked about, and this is a fellow who's not a rugby league person. He's, he's come into the game late, but just his, his enthusiasm and passion for it has obviously been very impressed. And it just shone through. The whole press conference was fantastic. And even more so tonight, it's been uh, confirmed, he said, Dr Kukash, he's had talks about buying Oldham Athletic and he wants to build a new ground for them, providing he can take control of the local uh, rugby team, the Ruffieds as well. So yeah. he's, I think he's actually going to do global Northwest sport domination, at least around Greater Manchester anyway. Before well, uh... I think what they've also got with Oldham, they've got this partnership, haven't they? This uh, geo registration partnership with uh, with Oldham as well. So I can, I can see the link with that with football. Um, it's great if we can get the football, but I mean that emerges money, doesn't it? That's the problem. Yeah. Well, let's hear from Brian Noble now. He admits they've got a lot of work to do to knit the squad together. Our challenge is to transfer that paper player into a player for the Red Devils, and you know we need to do all the things that most teams do in the pre-season. You know, galvanise and connect all the players, and make sure that they've got the heritage and the heart of the club uh, at the forefront of their mind, and that they put in every week. I'm sure we'll go close to doing that it is an exciting time I thought it was a particularly impressive press launch mm. I thought it was really good and uh, I think the good doctor was seeing how, how enthusiastic he is for rugby league as well as the Red Devils well anybody who was there or who weren't there will see some of the highlights on TV over this next week I mean the way he speaks his enthusiasm speaks for itself considering he's like coming to the game as it were from the cold so to speak yeah, I think he's brilliant for the game. I'd like another more five in and around the clubs. In I think the we country. could do with 14, really. Well, probably. <laughs> well, no, no, I think it's, you know, there's 
there's quite a lot of people that have done a heck of a lot for the game. You know, you look at him and, and him and McManus, and you look at Simon Moran and Ian Lennigan and Dave Whelan before Ian Lennigan. The, the list goes on and on and on. Of Ken David at Huddersfield, you know, how much yeah. they've put into different clubs, and you know, even Neil Hudgel at Hull Car. Yeah. We're, we're no different to any other professional sport in that without those type of benefactors, we struggle. You know, we, we struggle to generate money within the game. I think that's. As the challenge for the future is how we can corporately get some of that money in so each club can compete. Because if you think, obviously 12 months ago, there were all the serious rumours and there were nearly all the City Reds as they were then. The structure in place, the stadium, but obviously Marlon's come in and then obviously came in part way through the season and it must have been a little bit difficult because you must have had an idea what Marlon's visions were at that time. Yeah, we, we had dreams and I some part of that is holding the reins on the horse if you like you know, this is where we're at we both very very quickly realise the reality and once you recognise the reality you can take steps to going towards your dream and, and you can take actions and, and we've done that in the main there's still a heck of a lot of work to do um, but we're not phased by that and I think today's excitement and energy will be carried on That's Brian Noble speaking to Steve there Well, uh, Marwan Kukash says he thinks Salford can be title contenders for the 2015 season Do we think that's a, a reasonable ambition? He says that he wants them to, to shoot for the stars I think it's uh, as much as anything uh, You know, he's got 12 months for them to gel and really, they should be in a situation, I think, after that. And he's on about other players coming in, isn't he, Gary? So he's already got There's at least another one or two, but it's going to have to be he's, some... He's on about like, next yeah. season and the season after. So you'd think that uh, for 2015, there's a possibility of a, a top four contender, but given what he's spending and the quality of players that are coming in, and they'll, they'll have gelled. I mean, the excited thing is uh, Rangie Shirt and Tim Smith. Yeah, that, that's the thing, though, to see if all these personalities do get along, though. Um, they're all being big figureheads at their individual clubs to bring them all together um, and mix them all together. Are they going to get along? Look, I've been at clubs where you've had these guys pop their head up and they've been knocked down to keep with the club's culture and all that sort of the ethos that everyone's together. There's no individuals. It looks like there's a few individuals and all that sort of stuff thrown together. And how well, they, as you say, how well they gel and how well they can in, make this environment at training and the culture of the club successful because you need to breed that success you can't just buy it all the time I think you see it in football sometimes they try to just try to buy success and it breaks down because there's that, that um, continuing culture um, and then on the, the other side of that is what if they don't get the success that Kukash is after in an initial two three years and he realized how much of his own money he has to pour into it um, does he have a bottomless pit because rugby league clubs don't turn a profit a, a, a massive profit. Um, a lot of them do run at a loss, and and how will how long is he willing to stick at it um, if they're not bringing in the silverware? Yeah, because really he he does have to do that, otherwise it's going to make headlines of the not so good variety, which you can almost visualise in a couple of seasons if it were to turn that way, can't you? Yeah, definitely. I agree with Ben. I think it's a it's a big ask, but what I'd say as well is I think they've got a good guy in Brian Noble, who, and perhaps his experience with Great Britain and and having a situation went there where we'll have a lot of big name players from different clubs come together should help him really and I think if anyone's going to make a good job of it then then Brian Noble is probably as good a man as most.
We talk about finances there, and I think um, Brian Noble mentioned um, in the interview that um, you, you talk about big backers. You got like Eamon Manus for Saints, Ian Lennigan at Wigan, Simon Moran at Warrington. Do you think that our sport needs more of that? These people coming in, or do you think we need, should be turning to, to other sources for the revenue, like with, with sponsorship? Like if you look at the Premier League, for example, like three and a half billion or something they get with BT Sport and Sky alone with the money. I mean, the money needs to come from somewhere. Can it come from these individual businessmen that are coming forward? Do we need more? I think the sport definitely needs to to um, to look more towards the sponsorship data and the marketing. But but equally, I don't think we should look on it as a negative when somebody wants to come in and, and put money into our sport. Yeah. So we do need that good grounding, and especially centrally, RFL-wise, we, we need to market the game better. To not have a sponsor for Super League is, is fairly criminal in my eyes. So we need all that alongside it, but we shouldn't look at it as a negative when someone wants to come in and put money like somebody like Ken Davey at Huddersfield. Look at what they've done there, producing scores of young English players. And it's because they've got one guy who's prepared to put his money in and has stuck around and made a success of that club. Well, that brings us... Oh, sorry, Steve. Sorry, well, he's, <clears throat> Ken's been in it for 18 years, hasn't he? He's, he's, been in for, he's been in for the long haul. And it's rather ironic because uh, I saw an interview yesterday. It's 81 years since they won something. He's been there 18 years. And, uh, you know, without Ken Davey, Huddersfield Giants... I don't think they'd have got in super. I don't think they'd have got in super league. To be quite honest, because he took that brave decision that when they got relegated to keep them full time, and obviously it cost money then. So you've got to give fair play. And it's, I think as I said, it's, it's how long Marwan Kukash decides to to stay in. Because if he decides to throw his teddy out, they're in a, a bit of a mess, aren't they? Mm. Um, you mentioned marketing of the game before, Gareth. Um, this takes us on nicely to seamlessly to the the players' poll that you've done in this month's edition of the Rugby League World magazine, where you've asked players with with alongside League Thirteen what their views are on certain issues like marketing in the game, like the NRL and union. Um, page uh, thirteen starts in in the what here in the magazine this week. Tell us what you did and how has this not been done before? Uh, well, it is done in Australia, which was kind of the inspiration for it. I'm sure Ben will. I'll tell you as well that there's a magazine down there, Rugby League Week, that's, that runs a poll annually of the top players. And, and I kind of thought, you know, why are we not doing it over here? Why are we not talking to our players and seeing what they think? And I had a sit down with John Wilkin, the, the chairman of League 13. And obviously that's a big reason why they set that players association up to try and give them a voice. Uh, John John really liked the idea straight away. We sat down and said how we could do it. They had a, a system in place where they can kind of instantly text 240 members uh, and get replies from them straight away. So we started talking about potential questions, and and that's how it came about, really. So what questions did you ask them? We, we wanted to get down to the key issues in the game, really. So one of them, which which has caught the headlines, really, was you know our players' heads being turned by the NRL or rugby union. Um, some people, since we've published it, said that that players would say, "Do you want more money elsewhere?" Then everybody's going to say yes, obviously. But I think if you asked NRL players, "Is your head being turned by Super League?" There wouldn't be seventy-five percent of those said yes. So it's definitely an issue, you know, that there are two big competing competitions there, Rugby Union and the NRL, who are picking some of our very best players. You look at the Burgess boys, James Graham, you know, all certainty now, Sam Tonkins. You know, our top players are leaving the competition, so it's a big issue, and, and, and we wanted the players to have their say on, on those kind of issues. And when stats for that, just that question alone, have inflated salaries in the NRL and Union turned your head to leaving Rugby League? 75% said yes, 25% said no. And uh, Ben... You're a member of League 13. You received yeah. these texts yeah. as well. So how did it work? You just got sent the questions and you just, yeah, like, you just replied why text, or in? Yeah, text message with, the, with a list of um, all the questions and there was just a box you could, either, you could just um, go down and when you text back, just go question one, this is my answer, question two, and, and so forth. And um, it was an easy way of doing it. Um, it's hard now to remember all the questions we were asked. Yeah, um, no, luckily I, ha- I have them without here. Without looking at the answers. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I've done player polls before in Australia. It's a good way to sort of get your voice um, out there and the RFL can sort of take note of it, whatever they like and take from whatever they like and have a read and, and see what the players um, are really thinking. Another of the questions, do you prefer licensing system over promotion and relegation? 43% said licensing, 57% said promotion, um, relegation. You've got varying amounts of players replying to each each question, so that was 92. Um, Gareth, what did you find like was, was the most interesting findings of this? There was a few ones. I mean, I think the NRL one was definitely something that we had to consider. Um, we asked the players, is the sport well enough marketed in this country? 97% said no. Um, yeah. Some will say that's predictable, but but it needs asking as well. And the players, I think, want to have a stake in, in promoting and marketing their own game and, and should do as well. Um, probably the other one that stood out for me um, was the reserve grade one. When, you know, we've talked a lot about dual registration things this year and you know the, there, are, there isn't a place for players to play at the moment coming back from injury. 95% of the players said they thought there should be a proper reserve grade again. You know? And I think the RFL should listen to that when, they, when they're deciding what they should do next year. Well, we'll talk about the reserve grade stuff in a bit when we come on to uh, the, the dual uh, registration as well and the, the deals with the, the championship sides. But I mean, what just before we do, and uh, we'll also hear from Tony Smith and Nathan Brown shortly too, now you've done this poll and you've got these results here, what, what's going to happen with this now? Because you want to take it forward surely and, and you know get the people in the RFL to sort of take notice and, and do something about it. Absolutely, and it was run in, in conjunction with League 13, who absolutely will sit down with the RFL and go through these. You know, John Wilkin was very big on that. He's, he's said that in the magazine. So when they have their next meeting, and, and they do meet regularly now with the RFL, I understand, they can take these results and say, look, th- these are the issues we wanted to talk about. This is what us, the players, think about it. And, and as a magaz- magazine, then, you know, we'll speak to both the players and hopefully the RFL for next month and, and see where we go from now on those key issues. With that question, the NRL one about and rugby union turning your head to leaving rugby league, Ben, as someone as someone that's played over in the NRL for several years and, and here as well with Leeds and Wigan and Witness, how does Super League compare and can it and what do you think could be done to well, bring it more in line? Well, it all comes back to the promotion of the game again mm. and the players do need to have a massive say in it because essentially we're the product. Um, we're what people spend their hard-earned to come and watch. So we should have a say of, of actually how it's promoted. And, and to a degree, for it not to be promoted at all with no major sponsor um, is just diabolical to have a, a... It's like an international competition. You've got France involved and it's a national competition here with London. So it is a, a broad spectrum of, the, of, of uh, England and United Kingdom that it gets covered rugby league. Um, they took the game to, to the Magic Weekend to Cardiff in 2011 and try to promote the game in Wales and, and all that sort of stuff. But... Whether they've missed the, the pulse a little bit on trying to get on board with rugby league and promote it, because I think I read that it's it's the second highest rating sport on Sky Sports behind football. Why aren't we getting on the back of that? Why aren't there more games on television? And if Sky aren't willing to put only two or three games on a week, well, let's go down the avenue and have a look at other rival TV stations. Obviously, don't have those rival TV stations having games on at the same time as Sky Sports sell a couple of games to, I don't know, ITV3 or ITV4 or something. Um, Al Jazeera TV, I think they, they show Catalan Dragons games or a uh, Eurovision or something, just so all the games have actually got uh, exposure. And the more exposure, the more dollars it'll come in, and then it comes back to the sponsorship. Witness Viking can't charge their major sponsor the same amount as what a Leeds Rhinos can because they don't have the same national exposure on television because witness don't get as many sky games as what Leeds do so how can you charge the same amount of sponsorship as what another club does so 
until they get to that point where all games are on television and actually can, people can sit in their lounge room and see every game, um, that's the, the difference a little bit between the Super League and, and the NRL and the increases of the salary cap in, in Australia compared to here. Um, that, that gap's going to keep on widening. Right, well, we're going to take another short break now on In Touch, but afterwards we'll hear from Tony Smith and Nathan Brown and talk a little bit more about this as well. In Touch. In Touch. On City Talk 105.9. Welcome back to In Touch on City Talk 105.9. I'm Lauren Moss. Steve Manning joins me too, as does Gareth Walker from Rugby League World magazine and Ben Cross too. So uh, we'll turn our attention back to the playoffs now. Warrington have Leeds Rhinos at home on Saturday in a rematch of the grand final. Second versus third in the table, but a few points between them. And Tony Smith says last week's win over Catalan was a bit of an endurance test when you took into account the weather. He thinks that's what his side will be up against in playoff football anyway. You know, when you watch TV, you don't see the, the amount of rain coming down and you probably don't see all the all the puddles that were on the on the ground. It was quite torrential um, not long before the game and, and there was water laying all over, the, you know, pretty much all over the field. So, you know, the, the conditions weren't great for rugby league and there was a lot of errors. And But I tell you what, it was a tough game and, uh, you know, the Catalans really played their part in it and, you know, almost got the victory. Um, Steve Menzies almost went out on a, a home game victory, uh, you know, in, in style with a try to put their team ahead yeah. with about 15 to go or 20 to go. So, you know, it was a fantastic performance by Catalans as well. So I know we spoke over the last few weeks, uh, we, we spoke about obviously playing in wet weather and uh, unfortunately that's probably what it may be come October 6th. So, the momentum of the games that you've played this last few, I mean, it, it, it stands you in good stead, doesn't it? It sure does, yeah, it sure does. I was really pleased it was wet there the other day. It gives us a chance to practice that type of finals rugby league again. And, you know, we're not sure what the weather conditions are going to be like Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock at, at our place. But um, the chances are, at some stage, if we keep progressing through the finals, we're going to have some wet games or slippery games and you've got to be able to handle that and, and you know you've got to be able to kick well and defend well and you know we, we did all that on the weekend I thought we did a pretty good job so yeah very good practice and a very good hit out for us. So Warrington at Leeds on Saturday and Tony's named a strong squad for that game only Richie Myler, Joel Monaghan and Ben Harrison missing there so thoughts for that game guys? Gareth? Um, I'm really looking forward to it I think that's um, arguably the pick of the games this weekend really. Um, how Warrington react to this no dream team members and, mm. and coming up against the Leeds team who, who just look in prime grand final form again. I think that's going to be a cracker. Well, obviously they played them a few years ago in the uh, playoffs and uh, Kevin Sinfield put the drop, put the penalty over to uh, eliminate Warrington and I've got a funny feeling he'll do it again. And uh, St Helens, of course, in action as well. Langtree Park, Hull KR, a team they've lost to three times this season, twice in the league, which prompted that that statement from Eamon McManus earlier as well, and the Challenge Cup too. And Nathan Brown says this is the one that really does matter. This one's probably the main one, isn't it? You know, so you know, we've been them under some different circumstances earlier in the year a couple of times, and, and uh, we played them in the wet at Langtree you know, seven or eight weeks ago, and we clearly didn't play the conditions so well that day, but you know, as I said, you know, the both whole sides are both very good sides. They're just diff- good for different reasons, and you know they've got some uh, quite talented players in key positions. They've got some good big forwards, so you know I think whoever plays well, as, as is the case with all the finals games this week, I think the side that plays well will be the side that that 
advances or obviously the top four get a second chance but I don't think any anyone in any game can afford not to be playing someone near the, the better part of their game or they risk losing. So going into this game did you come through with a clean bill of health on the game at on Friday? Yeah we've got um, you know, we'll run with the same 19 man squad as we did the week before which is, uh, obviously helps you know we've sort of been quite fortunate sort of the past sort of four or five weeks where obviously apart from Rabes coming back into the team we've sort of been able to pick you know since Sia come back we've been able to pick similar players regularly which helps the, helps the team. And that's what you want going into the players all right you know the, we all know the well documented problems earlier on in the season but it's getting it settled now and it is the time to get it get it settled and get it right. Well you know Someone said, would you rather James Roby for the last five games or the first 20 games? You'd take the last five, wouldn't you? Because that's the main time of the year. And, uh, you know, so we're probably a bit lucky in that way where we, we have had a really disastrous run. But you know, C has been back for three weeks and Robes is back and a number of the other guys that were coming back have all come back and stayed back. You know, we've got our blokes that aren't going to come back for the year, but we've known that for a long time. So you can plan without it. And so we've been quite fortunate, you know, the last sort of... The last sort of six weeks in particular where we've been able to maintain a little bit of consistency. We've won lots of games, or probably the last eight weeks where we've won lots of games and you know, that's probably reflected on one the personnel we've had not only come back but stay back and we've developed a little bit of consistency and you know I think any side that that's got consistency generally is hard to beat. Coach Nathan Brown there. St Helens named an unchanged 19 from last week's result as well. Just to quickly mention that Saints have also signed Carla Moore from Wakefield on a four-year deal for 50 grand this week. And uh, while we were off air before, we were just having a little bit of a discussion about this whole dual registration thing. We've only got a couple of minutes to debate about this, unfortunately, as we're running out of time on uh, City Talk. But York have dissolved their partnership with Hull today, um, nine months into a three-year agreement. And the way it was is that it works is that this dual reg system where uh, players from Super League clubs would head over to some championship sides. Their players would sort of get back to match fitness, helping, you know, so they say, the championship players and also getting the, the first team Super Leaguers back up to speed. Do we think this is going to work long term? We've already seen Doncaster and York pull out of this now. Um, ben, as a player, Witness had a dual partnership with uh, with uh, Workington, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, so... I saw it firsthand. I saw some of our guys um, rock up to training on Monday. So, how did you play on the week? And they said, no, they didn't want me this week. So, mm. th- them being a lesser team out of the, the relationship of the two, they got to say whether they wanted the player or not. And they'd pick and choose, yeah, I want an outside back this week or I want a front row if you've got one available. Um, and then... Being a foreign player, we can't go and play for them anyway because of our visa situation. So, yeah, it doesn't work. Not not when you've got the lesser club out of the two dictating to the the parent club who they want and who they don't want. Steve, well, yeah, I think you know my thoughts on it, uh, Lauren, and I'm quite happy that uh, that York City Knights have pulled out. The kids will have a chance to progress. That's York City Knights kids. And uh, to me, that's the way of progression. And this year, it's just been a joke, personally. Up to this year, it's been good, but not but not this. It's been a farce. And Gareth, you're going to be devil's advocate? Well, a little bit. I mean, I, to be honest, I do, I do agree with Steve on a lot of things. I I'm not a fan of it, but I think there is a way it can work. If, if you send a young player to a championship club for a full season, I think we've seen in the past, like Jermaine McGilvery did that at, um, at Battler and at Barrow, and look at the player he is now for Udersfield. A week-to-week thing where you can pick and choose, as Ben says, your player. Um, no, I don't think it works like that. If, if you send a young lad there for the full season and say, go and get some first-team experience, I think it can work in that scenario. Well, very quickly, we're almost out of time. Score predictions for this weekend. Steve? I'll not do the score, but I'll go Wigan. Yeah, let's not do Wigan scores. Wins. Leeds, Saints, Catalans. 
Gareth? I'll say Huddersfield, Leeds, um, Catalans. Um, and I, sorry, was it, did I say Leeds then to start? You did say I? Leeds, yeah. Leeds, uh, St. Helens, and um, to, yeah, Huddersfield, sorry. And Ben? Yeah, Huddersfield, St. Helens, Catalans, and the toss of the coin, isn't it? Um, shut that down. Warrington. Yeah, I'm going to go Warrington, Huddersfield, Saints, and Hull. The Godheads. Thanks for joining us tonight. And if you missed any of tonight's show, it will be available to listen to again online tomorrow, citytalk.fm. And join us again next week as we look back on uh, this weekend's results and, of course, uh, the rest of the playoffs as we edge ever closer to the grand final. Thanks for joining us. This is In Touch, City Talk's Rugby League Lowdown with Lauren Moss and Steve Manning. City Talk 105.9.